Hello and welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. I'm your host, Bill Bant, and along with me on this journey back to the 80s is my co-host, Jason Masick. Hello, Jason. Hey, Jason, do you enjoy pain? Pain don't hurt. That's right, listeners. Today, we'll be discussing the 1989 cult classic action movie, Roadhouse, starring Patrick Swayze, Kelly Lynch, and Sam Elliott, directed by Rowdy Harrington. This movie is rated R with a running time of one hour and 54 minutes. So, what is this movie about? What's on the box? If you grew up in the 1980s and went to your local video store to rent this movie, you would find this description on the back of the VHS box. It is What's on the Box. Take it away, Jason. Busting heads and breaking hearts. His name is Dalton, and he's the best in the business. A bouncer armed with a cool head, lethal fists, and a degree in philosophy. Patrick Swayze is the man, a cooler, famous for his ability to handle any drunk. But fist-swinging power drinkers are just part of the problem at the Double Deuce, where a small-town kingpin is putting the squeeze on the bar's cash register. Kelly Lynch plays the local doctor, as beautiful as she is competent, who tends to more than Dalton's wounds. Rugged Sam Elliott is Dalton's best friend and a guy with an uncanny ability to show up for a fight. From the producer of Die Hard and Lethal Weapon, Roadhouse packs a potent combination of action, romance, and Patrick Swayze's powerful screen presence. It's last call for action. Oh, man, last call for action. Roadhouse. (laughs) Yeah. This movie was directed by a guy named Rowdy Harrington. That's all you need to know, ladies and gentlemen. Good night. Oh, man. Yeah, so that was what's on the box. Uh, Let's move on to our earliest memories. What is our earliest memories of Roadhouse? Oh, it's great. This is just great. I'm going to get into my earliest memories in just a minute. Get it? Get it? Because this movie's full of boobs. That's right. I said it. But I forgot it, how much boobs were in this movie. Oh, there's boobage everywhere. So, yeah. Bill Bant, good to see you, my friend. Good to see you. I'm ecstatic to do Roadhouse. <laughs> this movie is bad. This is a bad movie, as in badass. That's right. Earliest memories, Bill Bant, right off you know, the bat, of course, three simple rules. You know, just remember, be nice. Just be nice. That's how I always remember that. The bar fights, of course. Hey, firing a guy for screwing a girl in the dry storage area. Love it. Yeah, definitely an early memory. Of course, for me as a kid, you know, God, with this is 1989, right? Coming into my teenage years, I remember the blonde girl on stage. I believe her character's name is Denise. I also remember Kelly Lynch, of course, beautiful blonde. Uh, as she's uh, walking away in the diner. Oh, beautiful, beautiful lady. And here's the Sam Elliott quote from that little scene. He says, she's got entirely too many brains to have an ass like that. (laughs) Not appropriate. Not sure it makes sense, but I remember it. Speaking of which, Sam Elliott, man, Pat Swayze. I'm going to call him Pat because I love him. Sam Elliott and Patrick Swayze, their brotherly relationship, their chemistry. Love it in this movie. I love those two. Yeah. Yeah. It really, for me, outside of the boobs, of course, uh, is the highlight in this movie. Sam Elliott plays Wade Garrett. Patrick Swayze plays James Dalton. 
and they are mentor mentee and they're great together. And I always feel like Elliot just isn't in it enough. I want more Sam Elliott in this movie. I always crave more Sam Elliott. Uh, I always remember Sam Elliott's spoiler alert. Yeah. Death. Ouch. Mm. Lying on the bar, man. That get hurt. That hurt as a kid. Cause again, man, I'd love that guy. I remember the, I always remember the barn loft. That seemed really cool to me. Still does yes. seem kind of cool to me. I agree. Like he gets to rent out the barn loft. For a hundred bucks a month? That's awesome. The throat rip. That's all I'm going to say. The monster truck. <laughs> yeah. That's so ridiculous. Bigfoot seven. That was the, the monster truck. So those are some of my earliest memories, man. I don't think I saw this in the theaters. I definitely saw it many, many a time on HBO and VHS, and I still watch it. I mean, it's on television all the time, so yep. uh, I still will watch it if it's on. I have a lot of lot of great memories of this really good bad movie. How about you, Bill Ban? I'm gonna be honest. When this movie came out, I had no interest in seeing it whatsoever. Really, and I avoided this movie like the plague. I just did not want to see it. I, you know, Patrick no, you do it just kind of. This is like a guy's movie. I like know. Very, it's well, such because, a machismo movie. Because, you know, Patrick Swayze had done Dirty Dancing and, you know, we had done a podcast on that. And, that, you know, I was at the age where that was not a movie for me. So I'm thinking, you know, he does this cheesy chick flick. And then he came out with Steel Dawn, which was a total piece of crap. So I'm like, I'm not going to watch this one. This is going to be another Wait, piece that was, of crap. That was the sequel to Red Dawn, right? Uh, you know what? It could have been like at the apocalypse. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. It could have been. And then uh, finally, it was just on cable and there was nothing else on. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'll watch it. And man, I just loved it. It was just it totally blew me away because I was not expecting that. I really thought it was just going to be. I mean, it's the ultimate popcorn film. Oh, absolutely. One thousand percent. Yeah. You just check your mind at the door and just enjoy. This is what my my father and I would call brainless action. I mean, things blow up every 10 minutes. There's a fight every eight, boobs every 12. Yeah. So for a guy, yeah, great stuff. For the ladies, you get to see Pat Swayze's ass. I mean. I know. I was going to say. Something for everybody in this movie. We see see some butt cheeks. That's what you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's definitely some butt cheeks in this movie. But yeah, it was one of those movies I was just I was just not interested in seeing. And then when I finally saw it, I was like, oh, wow, I missed out. And why didn't I watch this earlier? It, it fell into one of those. It, it surprised me. It surprised me how much fun it was. Oh, absolutely. Well, I definitely have some initial thoughts if uh, you are done with your earliest memories. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, I can't get enough Patrick Swayze, of course. Uh, this is our second Swayze. Yeah. Uh, since we did do Dirty Dancing and he was hot off of Dirty Dancing coming into this one. And there's some fun stuff in the trivia about how the ladies were loving Swayze, of course, and how like there's a female extra that was distracted. She was staring at him. So she tripped and dropped her because she was uh, playing a cocktail waitress and like dropped a tray of drinks because she was staring at him mm-hmm. while she was supposed to be hitting her mark. 
when it's the fight scene between Dalton and Jimmy, I guess there's a boat full of ladies going across the river that are all screaming at him. Like stuff that would like that would happen and interfere all the time. Gotta love Swayze, man. Uh, and my initial thought regarding him, and I mentioned probably mentioned this in our Dirty Dancing pod, I don't recall, but he just had as a way of making a bad film better. He just does. I think he's great. He pulls it off. He sells it. He does his job and he's great at his job. I feel like he has sort of a kinship to Kurt Russell in that way. I think I don't maybe it's the hair. Maybe they both kind of have that similar hair in the 80s, you know, and but they have an attitude and a certain amount of confidence, a je ne sais quoi. I don't even think that's the right thing to say, but I'll say it anyway. And they just kind of save bad movies. They just they just do. The question really is, is this the best movie ever made? The answer is unequivocally, yes. No, no, it's not. Hey, man, here's another initial thought. Keith David is in this movie. What oh the yeah, hell? I yeah, I had something about that. Oh, I'm sure. And like he's in the credits, you're like, oh, okay, Keith David. And what's he have? Two lines. If that, in, yeah, yeah, he's, he's in it for 90 seconds. Oh yeah, yeah. I you know seeing James Dalton. I think he, they actually only say his full name once in the very beginning when we're introduced to him. Uh, when we have it's uh, Frank Tillman who owns the Double Deuce outside Kansas city. Well, he's come to New York city to find Dalton at uh, the bandstand, this hip and happening club where uh, Dalton is the cooler, which is a specialized like form of bouncer or bouncing. They call them coolers. Like they're extra cool, but you know, they're called coolers because they cool down all the trouble in the place. But uh, Frank Tillman is like you're James Dalton. And then after that, we just know him as Dalton. He just mm-hmm. goes by Dalton, just like I go by Masik. And everybody in the world seems to know he's Dalton. Everybody in the entire country knows who Dalton is. I know. Oh, you're it's Dalton. It's Dalton. You're Dalton. Dalton. Oh, Dalton. Yeah. And I love that when we see him, he they actually gave him a facial scar. It was cool. Like he has uh, yeah. Battle wounds, you know, uh, I actually did like he's been in some scrapes. I love the fact that Dalton is a fan of tucking his shirt in all the time. <laughs> it's just a funny thing. When he's wearing a shirt. Right. But if I had a body like that, too, I wouldn't be wearing a shirt all the time. Either, Absolutely. So or wearing him. some form of a shirt, something that sometimes they're they're just kind of w- wide open. You just see his entire chest and uh <laughs> I don't know if you can call that a shirt, but um, yeah, I don't know what that very was. airy, you know, it mm-hmm. breathes a lot. So I love the tucking in of the shirts in that opening scene where we're introduced to James Dalton. Speaking of which, the fact that everybody knows Dalton, it seems like even Dalton, when uh, Dalton actually is being recruited by Frank Tillman to come to this bar out in, you know, near Kansas city in this little town of Jasper, Missouri. And He's like he, reluctant at first. Dalton doesn't want to go. He's got this good gig at this New York City club. And he says, uh, Wade Garrett's the best. He's recommending Wade Garrett, played by Sam Elliott. And I love that. Like, it seems right off the bat, there's some sort of lore, as in all of the best coolers, aka bouncers in the country, know whom one another is. They, by reputation, word has spread. Like it's a thing, like there's an underground culture 
yeah within the bar scene and the 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 professional the cooler uh, coalition i don't know what it is yeah yeah like they have some court sort of like <laughs> something yeah payer dues everybody knows who the best is yeah like maybe there was underground like uh competitions like bouncer yeah uh, tournaments or something like that that you know but it, i kind of like that i i like it it's ridiculous but i kind of like that the fact that they know of one another uh we learn then obviously later on that wade garrett is actually uh james dalton's mentor so of course he would know who he is but uh I like the lore aspect of it, man. Dalton getting recruited for the double deuce. He uh, requests five thousand dollars up front, five hundred dollars a night cash. You pay all the medical expenses. I'm like, not bad. No, no. Yeah. I mean, consider that in 1989. That's the first thing I thought of. I'm like, what the hell is their bar tab per night that he can afford that? Because he's there for a while. It's not like he's there doing like a two week term, right? He's there for a couple months. Oh, yeah. That rate. Damn. Absolutely. He acts as if he's only going to be there for a short period of time. But I have this later. I'll just mention it now. Uh, Frank Tillman is putting a lot of repairs on this place. Yes. He redoes the entire uh, sound stage or the, uh, uh, the sound stage, well, the music stage, and then redoes the entire signage out, you know, with the, the neon lights, redoes the, puts a new roof on the place, has brick walls put up. Like, no, Dalton's going to be there for a while. He's making 500 a night. He's doing all right. All cash. I thought it was smart that he asked Tillman to take care of his medical expenses. Should Mm -hmm. he incur any? Very smart. Obviously, he's a bouncer. And I also thought smart probably because it would be tough to get health insurance as a bouncer. Yeah. That'd be a little premiums, probably pretty high. Yeah. The uh, deductibles. It is funny when Dalton shows up in Jasper at the at the double deuce. The how, how do we feel about the double deuce as the name of a a bar? It's like what is it? Ref, emails, tweet us. What does that even in reference to? Does that mean two twos at twenty two? Yeah. Does it just mean double shit? I'm just I like I'm I. Oh man, I got to take a double deuce. I hope when it's not the latter. <laughs> So Dalton walks into the I mean that deuce. that place is a double deuce when he first walks in. <laughs> so you might be onto something there. And then when Sam Elliott shows up for the first time and sees the bar, he calls it the double douche. Right. <laughs> I love it. So very first scene when Dalton shows up at the double deuce and he walks in, he, you know, he saunters in. He's all he's way too cool. And he's just watching the the shit show that it is. I love the fact that there's a guy dancing with no shirt on at all. Out on the dance floor, mm-hmm. nice and all oiled up. He's just got no shirt on, just got his jeans and you know tennis shoes on or whatever. I'm like, that's how you know it's a real rough spot when you got one guy out there with no shirt on. Yeah. It's just funny. It's totally cheesy, totally 80s. Uh, all these terrible lines that are spoken in that opening scene, which just got you burying your head in your hands. Lines like, uh, we've got one of the bouncers who's supposed to be working is hitting on one of the girls at a table and he says, you know, uh, I get off at two and uh, I just love to get you off about a half an hour after that. <laughs> then there's a patron at the bar that hits on the young lady, actually uh, Denise. Yeah. Our buxom blonde that steps up and uh, she asks for a vodka rocks. And then this drunkard at the bar next to him or next to her says, Hey, vodka rocks. What do you say? You and me get nipple to nipple. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> no. He must not be a local. 
Yeah. You would think everybody in there would know who she is. Oh, absolutely. She's yeah. She's yeah. Jimmy's girl too. Yeah. On top of it, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And she stands out like a sore thumb. I mean, oh, big time. So, but yeah, it's just some awful lines. And then after the entire place goes to hell and there's a huge bar fight, Dalton's walking through and one of the big bouncers uh, says, uh, yeah, I, you know, I heard you had balls big enough to come in a dump truck, but you don't look like much to me. Holy shit, man. What are these fucking lines? I was just like, I didn't, rec- I had forgotten how terrible the writing is. In, I mean, in especially, well, that particular scene. Some of the other stuff in this is so bad it's good, but that's just, I mean, and some of it doesn't, it doesn't even make any sense. Mm-hmm. Totally forgotten in that scene that they completely foreshadow the throat ripping. Totally forgot about that. I heard he, uh, th- you know, ripped some guys throwing up. I'm like, oh, I forgot they actually say that in the beginning of the movie. We talked about that. He gets to rent the barn loft for a hundred bucks a month. Hell yeah. Except no condition to air. <laughs> that <Damn it. laughs> the Mark says no condition to air. Anyway, this could be the simplest movie of all time. Man, you said it earlier that you, what did you say? Check your brain at the door. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You can take it entirely at face value. There's absolutely no depth whatsoever. There are bits of background. We get the fact that Dalton has a degree at NYU. He had a degree in philosophy. He's got broken bones. He's got bullet wounds. Uh, There's bits of exposition. None of it matters. Outside of Wade and Dalton, their relationship, there's no relationship development, very any character development. It's just testosterone. It's sex and violence. There's some misogyny and machismo and some domestic abuse. Jimmy clearly beats the shit out of Denise. Not good. Outside of, I mean, but outside of that, it's just this visceral movie. It's just, again, yeah, sex and violence. Uh, and that's it. There's nothing to really break down. Uh, or there's nothing complicated about this movie. And that's all I've got for initial thoughts. I'm ready to, to get rolling, but I uh, didn't know if you had any else to, anything else to say. Yeah, just a quick initial thought. Kelly Lynch, sexiest picnic table in the world. That outfit she shows up to, the double deuce. <laughs> I was like, man, that's one sexy looking picnic table. <laughs> really? That dress? Oh, that's, that's exactly what it is. It's a picnic table cover. That killed me. Every time I saw Emmett, I thought for sure it was Richard Mazur in makeup. And if you don't know who Richard Mazur is, uh, he was Clark from The Thing. And then he played, he was oh, Rutherford sure. in Risky Business. He was the one that interviews Tom Cruise. Absolutely. I, I, I just kept looking. I'm like, is that, who is that? Is that Richard? But that's funny. No, it wasn't. He's got some good lines too. Yeah, I, I liked Emmett. I liked Red a lot. He was yeah. cool. Yeah, they had some interesting characters in it, which I liked. And I think that just kind of helped with the movie. But like I said, they don't really ever get developed. Oh, no. And they could have. There's there's room to do so. They had some decent characters, but they just don't waste any time. They don't bother at all. They're just like, we don't care. Mm-hmm. We just got to get to the next fight. We just got to get to the next sex scene. Get him in the bar, get him into a fight. Get, let's uh, get the bad guy doing something, some dastardly deed, get to the next explosion. And that's it. That'll sell. Yeah. Do a quick plot dump, action. Yeah. Explosion, boobies, plot dump, action, Blood. explosion, boobies. Right. That's basically how the movie goes, which I'm okay with. It was fun. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's a fun ride. Oh, yeah. We're not saying there's any. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. This isn't Shakespeare on film. That's for sure. All right. So uh, let's move on to favorite scenes or moments. What are some of our favorite scenes and moments from Roadhouse? Yeah. All right, man. We're doing Roadhouse. Uh, so for me, the my first favorite scene I had touched upon with my initial thoughts because, excuse me, my earliest memories, uh, because it's the three simple rules. And we have James Dalton, just known as Dalton, coming into the double deuce and taking over. Uh, it's his way or the highway. And the bouncers are going to learn from Dalton how things are to be done now. Dalton is there to clean up the mess. So he has them gather around uh, during the off hours and to do a little training sesh and says, uh, there's only three simple rules. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything and start inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. And three, be nice. So I always like that because this is where Swayze's at his best, where he takes charge. He's the alpha male, but he doesn't have to scream from the mountaintops. He can be subtle, but yet straightforward. He can be soft, yet strong. And he's the man and they have to listen to him. He knows what he's doing. He comes off as a consummate professional with a lot of experience and he commands. So I always enjoy that scene because he clearly comes from a place of experience. And there's some other lines in here that he's joking and he he fires people right off the bat. He comes out blazing, like firing. Uh, he just says, you're out, you're out, you're out. We don't do, you know, we don't sell drugs here, only booze. You're out. You don't have the right temperament for this job, et cetera. So he's firing people right off the bat. He's cleaning the house. He uh, really sets the bar right from the get. So I don't know. I, I like that scene. It's, it's just memorable because you would think a bouncer from, first of all, from appearance would be a lot bigger than he happens to be, uh, would be a little bit rougher around the edges. But this guy is more about, he's a little more suave. He has a different approach that you, than you would expect. So uh, just a memorable scene. How about a scene from you, Bill? Yeah, I would actually go the scene before that, which is uh, Dalton steps into the double deuce for the first time. Because I like the fact that he just kind of comes in, sit here in the corner, watch what's going on, see what... Buddy's you know, corner. Yep, buddy's corner. Right. I see what I'm dealing with here. You know, what what kind of... Yeah, how long call. am I going to be sure. here? What kind of work am I going to be here? And uh, he just sees how the bouncers are handling the patrons. Um, you know, he's catching uh, the one of the cocktail waitresses you know dealing drugs and just the demeanor of everyone there um, he's extremely observant yes it's cool to watch him watch the scene and really pick up on every little detail and how things are progressing or being handled or run at the bar presently yeah and then it's just hilarious too that he just happens to know the band and cody right uh, who's the lead singer and then um yeah and then once one of the waitresses asks him who his name is and Dalton and everyone starts freaking out and it just starts slowly going around among the staff there at the double deuce. Like, Oh my God, it's Dalton. It's Dalton. It's Dalton. And that just made me laugh. Cause it's just kind of like, just they really, do people really know. I'm like, it's not like he's a state over. He's coming from New York down to here. 
Right. Um, and how, how, I don't know. I'm just, I, know but I think it's stuff. funny because you just mentioned the band, which uh, Cody is the guitar player whom we know is Jeff Healy from mm-hmm. the Jeff Healy band and Jeff Healy himself was blind. So he has his electric guitar flat on his lap and he plays the guitar that way. That's his signature and it's cool and he's great and he's got a great voice. And then speaking to like, everybody knows that he's Dalton, even though he comes from New York, like you're just saying, and he goes to surprise Cody and tell him is there. And they know each other from another gig that they had worked in Dayton, yeah. which is like in Ohio, I'm assuming Dayton, Ohio. Mm-hmm. So that's another example of, man, this guy gets around. He's been like working in all areas of the country. The word has gotten out. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting too, that they were like the permanent band there at the double deuce, but they never switched out because you don't usually see that much at bars. Maybe they're there once a week. Right. Um, like the, the fact like that they're those, every night, like a nightly playing. bar band. Yeah. 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 I thought about that too. So that was kind of interesting, but yeah, that was my favorite scene. Just watching Dalton come in and just do his thing but not get involved, especially because then this huge fight breaks out and he just stands there and wa- just watches because he just wants to watch how they handle things. And uh, he knows he's got his work cut out for him. That's right. For sure. Oh, no, it's a good call. There's some exposition, basically. I mean, you get you get to learn what, what this is all about. You get to see some of the characters and you get to see, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good setup mm-hmm. uh, for things to come, I guess you could say. Uh, so good call because it, it's it, it's Patrick Swayze being as calm and cool as possibly could be. Like he couldn't be cooler. Oh yeah, you know Carrie Ann, one of the waitresses that comes up to the bar, is trying to ask him his name, and he won't even give her the time of day. Like he's just like, oh, I'm too cool for you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, Pat, don't be a dick. Just tell her your name. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does eventually, but he really doesn't want to get involved. He wants to be a wallflower. Yet you can't help but notice him. Good call. Good scene. So what do you got next? Next, for my next uh, favorite scene, is when Wade shows up. That's Wade Garrett, Sam Elliott. It's like, yeah, man. Old buddies back together. The mentor, the mentee, the, the, the master, the, teacher, the, uh, the students are, are rejoined here. Because we, we get a little glimpse of Wade Garrett in a previous scene where Dalton is doing some laundry, I guess. He's at the laundromat and decides yeah. to, to give uh, Wade a call. And Wade is working at a bar who knows where. But clearly he's the cooler at that bar. And he's a badass. And Wade, being Sam Elliott, is a little bit older at this point, looking extremely grizzled. Uh, has great, great head of hair. Great lettuce on that guy. He gets on the phone with him and he just makes, make. they're just kind of, you know, standing in touch and, making sure everything's okay. But now when uh, later on Dalton gets into a little trouble because he goes out back to receive a, a liquor delivery. It's and uh, because they've had to change their liquor distributor because the baddie in this movie played by Ben Gazzara, the character's name is Brad Wesley. Brad Wesley is the one who's been providing the liquor for the bar, but they don't want to use him. He's the bad guy. So they go to a different distributor. But of course, Brad Wesley's guys come to intercept that delivery of that liquor and says, nope, you're not using anybody but us. And uh, well, Dalton's not going to have it. So he starts kicking their asses. Nice little fight scene out back of the double deuce. 
And uh, well, they get start getting the best of Dalton and who shows up to save the day, but Wade Garrett and nice little fight scene ensues. And you see Sam Elliott, Sam Elliott's great because he, he acts old in the seat. Like he, acts Oh yeah. Weather. He's got the limp. Yeah. He's got the limp, you know, like he's got a bad knee or something, but he still can throw a great punch and he can take a punch and, then they, you know, double up and, and kick the crap out of uh, Wesley's thugs, his henchmen in the scene. And then they, you know, give each other a hug, basically. And, and uh, you can see right off the bat that they're just old friends and it's a chemistry thing and it just works. And they go into the bar and they're going to have a beer and they're all kind of beat up. And there's an immediate bond that you can see. You sense it, you witness it. And uh, I love that stuff, man. So that was my next favorite scene. Yeah, that's a good call, too. But I always had the question of, we never hear Dalton, like, ask Elliot's character to come out. So right. why does he? I mean, was, was he just alarmed at the fact that he actually got the phone call? And it's like, ooh, there's something going on. I got to go check my bud. Well, that is a great example of things not making any sense in this movie. And there's several of those moments and scenes where it's just kind of things happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dalton didn't ask him to come out. He didn't, didn't, wasn't like I'm in trouble, but I think you are supposed to get the idea that Wade sent something was off in right. that phone call uh, because Dalton wasn't quite being the, his chipper self. So I think we're supposed to assume Wade sensed something and decided to come out to Jasper and uh, see what the, the scene was like. Check up on his old buddy. That's a friend, man. I was just like, I'm, no kidding. Yeah, it's not my job. Yeah, and I'm going to go to freaking Missouri yeah. to see how my buddy's doing. And I do like the fact that even though we get the idea that Wade is Dalton's mentor, it's more of like a big brother relationship. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I like. Now, when I, you know, will complain often, especially from a writer's perspective about relationship development, for instance, I'll get into my issues with the Doc and Dalton relationship, Doc being Kelly Lynch, also uh, known as Elizabeth Clay, where you're just like, what, what is this relationship where I need more versus there are sometimes there's relationships. And I think there's credit given to the actors because of their chemistry, or it could be a line. It could be a scene where it's just very quick and you just get an immediate sense of their bond or a history, a built-in history. And that's what works in this movie. One of the few things regarding relationship development that works is between those two. So I like Wade showing up for Dalton, being there for Dalton. Yeah, he had nothing. I was like, where's he staying? No <laughs> luggage, nothing. I was I was worried about Wade. I'll be honest. I was worried about Wade. I was like, what's going on with this guy? Yeah, I don't know. Sleep on the hay bales up in the yeah. barn loft. My next favorite scene, which you kind of alluded to a little bit, is the big fight scene with Jimmy. Dalton takes on Jimmy. It, it's, uh, it has to be on the list. Absolutely. Yeah. So we find out through the course of the film, and Jason mentioned him, uh, Brad Wesley basically runs Jasper. Like he collects money from every, all the businesses there. And uh, if they don't pay up, you know, he's got his. Uh, posse of goons that'll rough you up a little bit and the the main goon he has is jimmy and he's uh he's he's a tough sob 
you know, especially with the pool stick. That's for sure. Yeah. Clearly a martial artist. Yeah. So there comes to the point where, um, unfortunately, Wade gets killed and um, Dalton's at his place. And the person he's staying with is is Emmett and his place blows up because, you know, it's been 12 minutes. So an explosion is going to happen. <laughs> yeah, no, We need another building to explode and shatter to a million pieces. It's great. So Dalton goes out to save Emmett um, from the building. And when he gets him out, all of a sudden we see Jimmy riding by on, on a motorcycle. Knowing so, you know, as long as you know that Jimmy set the explosion to blow up the building. And then Dalton somehow chases him down. Running. Somehow. It's wonderful. Does this super dive, knocks Jimmy down, and now they're doing the all-out fight, which is, you know, the fight we've wanted to see from the get-go once we met Jimmy. Because we know, you know, Jimmy's the head goon. He's, he's, the, he's the baddest of the bad right. of um, Brad's characters. And then there's this great fight scene right by the lake. The two of them are just kicking the shit out of each other. The Michael Kamen music's playing. I'll be honest, in the back of my head, I wish I could watch that scene. And then the Lethal Weapon, Riggs, and Joshua, like Absolutely. side by side on the front right. lawn. <laughs> That's all I kept thinking of. I'm like, this is just like Riggs and, and sure. Joshua on the front lawn. And at one point, of course, you think Jimmy's got the best of Dalton, but Dalton throws out the throat rip and just rips his throat. Jimmy's oh, throat it's out. Brutal. It's brutal. And then, like, kicks him right into the lake. And uh, I like it because um, Doc was there with him. And she goes, run. She runs right to the body to make sure that he's okay. So I was like, look at you being a good doctor, trying to oh, yeah. check yeah. on the wounded there. But, yeah, it's a pretty good fight scene. Yeah, Because it, it's one of those that's believable. Cause, like, you, you feel like these two guys are equally matched. And it would be a fight like that. Because there's sometimes where you see, like, the main hero, like a like a Schwarzenegger movie, where he's going to fight, you know, like Michael Ironside, and you're kind of like, come on, Schwarzenegger's like twice right. the size, he's going to kill him, kind of thing. There's like, how do you make that seem like it's going to be equal? Whereas this one, you know, right away, I'm like, oh yeah, Jimmy and Dalton are on the same plane, and if they're going to fight, it's it's going to be a battle, and it was a battle, so it definitely uh, met the hype. I'll say that much. Uh, you just made me think when you said Schwarzenegger, what's the, uh, oh God, what was one of his earlier films? The one where he's with Alyssa Milano uh, is his oh, Commando. Commando, thank you. It was that kind of uh, matchup at the end where you're like, oh, really? That's who's, uh, we knew that matchup was coming all along. I can't remember the actor's name, but it wasn't fair. It was like, oh, okay, Schwarzenegger's going to waste this. Yeah. Time. But I'm glad you you know you brought that up because I always look forward to that. And it's always very clear, especially probably in the 80s movies, where you can see that you have the established hero and then you have the established antagonist, and you can see they're either they're at the top of their game, and so you know they're eventually gonna go head to head. So mm-hmm. you're always antip- you know, anticipating that. And it's so clear in this where it's like Jimmy's he's the main, uh, like you said, he's the main goon, but he's also the best fighter right so he's gonna have to go up against patrick swayze at some point and if they don't then you're gonna be extremely disappointed but great call this is an iconic scene because of the throat rip but it is great to watch the scene because these guys are doing their own stunts uh marshall l teague who plays jimmy you got patrick swayze these guys are good at what they do 
and they were doing their own stunts and they kicked the crap out of each other and got beat up. I don't, they like did this like 71 times or something ridiculous, but they did it a lot. Took them five days to shoot it. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. And I love that you made that cop between the scene and the end of the lethal weapon scene. And we've got something, there's a lot of parallels. We got uh, Michael Kamen doing the score, Joel Silver. Oh yeah. That's true too. Yeah. Producer. Uh, you know, we've got so no surprise why we've got uh, action sequence after action sequence explosions and, uh, you know, all that stuff, all that good stuff. Yeah. Between the stunts and the music, the setting, the the choreography, but the throat rip itself was so violent. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was the shocker was like, oh, my God. Did he just tear his throat out with his fingers? Mm-hmm. Did he just rip it out with his bare hand? I remember that as a kid. Go, oh yeah, no, yep, yeah, he did. They show, they show it. Yeah, he, they, Kelly Lynch turns him over in the water, and his throat is missing. Yep, it's right there in your face. So yeah, it was that was just the big shocker, and thus became known as the throat rip. And we would always imitate it. Like as kids, you know, we'd fake fight and stuff. It was always a thing. Like, mm-hmm. how do you do that with your hands? And is it a real move? You know, could you actually do that? You see that with all martial arts films, right? When oh, you've got yeah. the one special move. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is that a real thing? Yep. They practice it the whole movie. And then at the very end, that final thing, and then whatever, you know, hard right. punch yeah, or... Yeah. <laughs> Stomach, you know. Remo Williams, you've got the fingerboard. Yep. You've got, uh, well, Bruce Lee could do the one-inch punch, actually. That was a real Oh, thing. yeah. But then Kill Bill is another great one mm-hmm. where she has this special, like, stops his yep. heart. Yep. Like, oh, damn. So, great scene, Bill. I'm glad you mentioned it, the throat rip. The only other scene I'm just going to mention here as far as favorite scene is I'm going back to good old Wade Garrett and Dalton, and I'm going to throw... Our doc, Dr. Elizabeth Clay, into this mix. I love this whole scene. The drink, I call it drinking and catching up with Wade. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just love it. I love the camaraderie because they're having beers after the bar's closed or at a, I don't know if it's at that double deuce or another bar, but uh, they're reminiscent about good old day, the good old days. And they had picked up Elizabeth before. So the three of them are hanging out. And Wade's like, oh, you know, the night's not over. We let's go, you know, somewhere we can dance. I want to dance. Mm-hmm. And they go to a diner and it's already light out and there's music playing and he dances with Kelly Lynch and it's great. And he's just, couldn't, couldn't, Sam Elliott just couldn't be cooler. Then we get a little bit of a, a little bit of a drama scene in between here too, because she, I think she goes off to the restroom and Elliot sits down with Swayze. And this is the one of the few times where they bring up a little bit of uh, Dalton's dark and mysterious background where he had killed someone in Memphis. And we learned that he got involved with a married woman. And obviously the husband came at him with a gun and he had no choice, but to kill the guy. So why this, I wish I, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more later, regardless. I love the camaraderie uh, camaraderie once again, between Sam Elliott and Pat Swayze and you throw Kelly Lynch in the mix it's a romantic scene. There's a little sexiness in there. There's some fun banter. And I like that scene. That's what I got for favorite scenes. Yeah. I found that to be interesting too, because there isn't, you know, earlier scene with 
Doc and Dalton, and she basically asks him to stay. And he's kind of like, yeah, not going to happen. And then, you know, Wade comes into town and is basically, hey, let's come check out my girlfriend. I want you to hang out and meet her. I'm like, that's kind of a big thing, too, where, you know, there's almost like that, that conflict of, like, maybe he wants to change in his mind. Maybe he does want to stay. And maybe he's trying to get Wade's approval to be you, like. You raise a great point, actually. Because if he was, if Dalton was going to stick around, why would he introduce his buddy to his new girlfriend in town? Mm-hmm. It would show as something like he's making a commitment of some kind. Because she's not going to leave. Right. Yeah. It's a good point, Bill. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So I was wondering if it was like his way of, all right, let me see what Wade thinks first. And if Wade likes her, maybe I need to rethink my stance on if after I'm done here at the double deuce, I'm um, checking out. So I did kind of like that. I love when they pull up to the hospital because Dalton says, you know, they're driving and Dalton says to Wade, he's like, I want you to meet somebody. He's like, all right. And they pull up to the hospital and then you see this beautiful blonde walk out and you just see Sam Elliott smile and go, I fucking knew it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's what I'm talking about. I just want that shit like for two hours. Yeah. This is a, yeah, this is a guy's movie through Mm -hmm. and through. Totally. All right. So uh, let's move on to music. I know you want to talk a little bit. I know we touched on Michael Kamen a little bit, but I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to. Michael Kamen, Michael Kamen, Michael Kamen. What else can you say? We've talked about him before. And I think maybe was it Adventures in Babysitting? Oh, yeah. I actually talked about him. Yeah. He's the man. You know, check out his IMDb. Uh, We lost him too soon. And his filmography is extensive and brilliant. He's got a lot of signature music cues oh, yeah. uh, with the strings it's and you hear, especially like Bill had mentioned in the throat rip scene uh, and other action scenes, you can hear it actually a little bit too. When Swayze is doing like his Tai Chi shirtless, yep. of course, and all oiled up for the ladies oh, yeah. big time um, where you can hear Michael Kamen's score in the background. You're like, Oh, I hear lethal weapon and die hard all over this. Yes. Totally um, agree. Which makes sense. Cause those were, you know, just a couple of years before this, mm-hmm. uh, if not a year before this. So Michael Kamen's wonderful. And then I just want to give a shout out to the Jeff Healy band, of course, too. They have a couple tracks or a few tracks on the soundtrack. Uh, Jeff Healy, lead singer and guitarist, uh, had a top five pop hit with the song Angel Eyes in 1988. Uh, unfortunately, he died at 41 of cancer. Um, he was blind. He had, had a rare form of cancer where he'd lost his eyes. At 18 months old. Yeah, and, so it was um, under two. Yeah, but talented dude, talented guy. And then, know, when, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that no, was kind of sad because I was thinking when I was watching this movie, I'm like, why have I not heard from him since? And then, yeah, when I heard when he passed, like, God, 41, man. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, yeah a lot of tragedy here because, I mean, we don't even have to get into Patrick Swayze. Oh, but, that, but, uh, that was that was killing me too. Like watching this movie and like he's smoking throughout the whole time. And I'm oh, just like, every yeah. time he picked up a cigarette, I'm like, no, Pat, no. That, it it was it was bothering me. I was like, oh my god, guy smoking every goddamn scene. No wonder. It was weird seeing him smoke so much in this film mm-hmm. because he had I don't know. I have I think he was a of, smoker in, in real life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It makes sense, but he otherwise appeared so immaculate and healthy. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, yeah. he was a vision of health. Yes. That guy's ripped. Oh, yeah. You know who he, I think I, yeah, I mentioned Bruce Lee earlier. He has a you, that kind of physique where you could tell Patrick Swayze, they got him listed at 5'10". So he's not a, a like a big guy, mm-hmm. but he was like so fit and he has so toned is almost uh, sinewy in a way where he's a smaller guy, but just all power. You could tell mm-hmm. he's just really just in fantastic shape. And obviously uh, he had his background in, in ballet and football and he guy could do it all. So, yeah, but yeah, you're right. He was ripped. I mean, he's ripped. Uh, and also he sang on two tracks on the soundtrack. I know I was trying to listen for what? the songs. I didn't really hear them. So he's credited with being the artist uh, for these two songs, raising heaven in hell tonight and also cliff's edge. So I haven't listened to these yet, but I think I no, haven't either. Yeah. The guy does it all. Mm-hmm. So that's all I got for music. Hello, this is Jason, co-host of the All 80s Movies Podcast, with a message from Factor Meals. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer, thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you will always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you will always have new flavors to explore. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So let's move on to Swiss cheese and complaint department. And why do we call it Swiss cheese? Because although this movie is delicious, it does have holes. Yes. And if it does not fall into Swiss cheese, we just file a complaint with the complaint department. All right, Jason, what do you got for Swiss cheese or complaints? I've only got one item for the Swiss cheese. So in the town of Jasper, there's just no law enforcement at all. Oh, yeah. I had the same thing. None whatsoever. Any ever? We know that Brad hasn't bought off, but you would think they would still show up for something. Where's the sheriff? Where's some deputy? Anything. Oh, wait a minute. They do show up at the very end of the movie and they do nothing. Yes. At all. I know. At all. Come on, guys. That's all I got for Swiss cheese. What do you got for? But I was thinking they could use that in the story because then. You would think they would always just come to the double deuce and just make it more difficult. Make, yeah, make them corrupt cops. They're mm-hmm. all on the take, right? They're all getting a piece of the action, whatever it is. They're all in uh, 
Brad Wesley's got them all in his pocket, right? Mm-hmm. I think they mentioned that he does. Oh, they do. You're right. They do. Yeah, but they you absolutely never... do. But you should. They have to have some presence. In the yeah, town. use it. We see the firemen show up, so we know that they have these public services. Like we need, we have the cops have to be. I mean, there's just too much. Well, that's true too. An like, explosion, like even explosion the, shows up and no cops. For, yeah, Red's Auto Store blows up. Where are the cops? Yeah, yeah. That that was, I found that very weird. That cops never showed up at any point. Even even the four by four drives through. I was like, you have to do something. It just, uh, yeah, that made no sense to me. But yeah, um, but yeah, did you have any other holes? I'm sure you, there's got to be. I've yeah. got plenty of complaints. Okay. Go for it. So, all right, we get to the end of the movie, and it's the big face-off between Dalton and Brad. And, of course, the townspeople come in. Like, Brad gets the upper hand of Dalton, which I thought was good because it starts off where, because you know there's no way Brad Wesley has any chance of fighting Dalton one on one. So right. Brad shoots him in the arm. So that at least kind of immobilizes and makes it almost evens out a little bit. But then he he pulls a gun on him, and then the townsfolk show up at the house. How they knew to go, I don't know. And then blow the shit out of Brad and kill him. And that's how <laughs> you know basically the movie ends. Yeah. I don't understand why the townsfolk just didn't do this from the get-go. Because the way that that organization We'll just say if it's an organization or not. It's set up. There's really no number two. Like if they kill Brad Wesley, right. there's nobody that can step in and it's take cutting over. the head off the snake. Yeah, there's really a second in command that could take over and, and run the ship after that. It's all it's it's Brad and his goons. There's nobody in between. Right. I was like, you should have just did this from the get go. You should have just showed up at his house and just blew him away and called it a day. <laughs> it's a great point. Totally. It's so ridiculous, man. I mean, it's literally like this guy and his goons. I mean, they granted he goes into this thing earlier in the movie where he's talking about how he built the town. Right. right. He moved there and he built up these businesses. And now he he says it right off. He says it out in the open. He just says, yeah, I'm getting rich off these people Mm -hmm. as if they owe him something. He gave them the business and the town. He's he built it. He's earned it. But there's no succession plan. But there's no, but that, yeah, it's just him and his henchmen. Yeah, he's no no son. He just walks around town and says, hey, give me 10% of whatever you're making. And they're like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Of course, there's no law enforcement. No. I was like, why? All right. Even if the local police are bought off, state police have then come in, especially like that just drove me crazy when the Bigfoot just drives through. Right. The auto dealership. I'm like, how do you cover that up? How are you going to cover? That's obvious. Uh, Right. Like when you blow up a a place, at least just, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Like when you blow up red's place. Okay. You could just say, oh yeah. Faulty gas line. Sorry to hear about that. But no, everyone sees you run. Everyone's cheering to watch you run a truck through an auto dealership. Yeah. What is that all about? He's just like ruling by intimidation and that's it. Nobody ever goes, Hey, why don't we just kick this guy's ass? And then it's over. Yep. Call it a day. And his evil reign will come to an end Mm -hmm. because he's the only one (laughs) as a stupid henchman, a ridiculous premise, but yeah, we'll get into that final action scene, the final big finale. 
It's insane. Did you have any other holes? No, no more holes. So I've got, I'm going to issue some complaints. Go ahead. What I don't know what's going on. Why in the very opening of the movie, the cold open with Dalton surveying the scene at the bandstand in New York City, there's a couple gentlemen sitting with a couple of attractive ladies at the cocktail table. And I, I think we're supposed to understand that one of the gentlemen is propositioning the lady with some cash as if he'd like to, uh, it's not clear at all. No. Pay her for sex. I'm not sure. And she pulls out a, a small knife and stabs the money on the table. Yes. And a ruckus kind of ensues. Dalton gets his guys to step in and the jackass who's creating the ruckus to begin with grabs the knife and goes to cut Dalton. So he actually does cut him. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? Why is this guy going after Dalton with a knife? Like, why does he try to cut Dalton? Yeah. I need to know more about that. They didn't even, he didn't try to punch him first. He didn't try to kick him. He didn't like anything, fight him. He just decides to grab the knife and slice him. And I'm like, what What were you thinking? Why would you go after the number one bouncer with a knife like that? Out of nowhere. It's out of nowhere is my point. Yeah, it was like, why are you weird. trying to, why are you going? And then he's like, I've been waiting to, you know, I think I can take you. You know, I've been wanting a piece of you, man. I'm like, well, who is this fucking guy? Like, I, it was just weird. So then funny enough, later on, same complaint because I talked about how Dalton comes into clean house, right? He's been hired by Frank Tillman to uh, clean up the double dupes. So he starts firing people. And one of the people he fires eventually is the bartender, Pat, who happens to be Wesley's nephew. Right. And Pat's been skimming off the top. So Dalton fires it. And then there's a scene subsequently there. Pat comes back and he's like, you can't fire me. I'm Wesley's nephew. And Dalton says, uh, no, I can't fire you. <laughs> and Pat pulls a knife yep. and goes right like immediately. Not like, what's going on with him? The guy's coming after it with a knife. Yeah, it pulls out Crocodile Dundee's knife. And then Tinker uh, doesn't he? He pulls a knife after that too and ends up slicing him. That's what sends him to the ER, right. to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So there's more knives. These guys are just pulling knives left and right on him, going, guys, what just. What what's with the knives? Why are you going straight? Why is that your first go-to? Is my question. Like between the guy in the cold open and Pat in this later on is all upset with him and just decides to draw a huge knife on him mm-hmm. instead of just let's just do it the old-fashioned way, go fisticuffs, and then if you're like that's a last resort, you pull a weapon of some kind. I don't know, it's just it's yeah. Not, Nice. And that and that wound that that the wound that never heals, because he he has that like bandage on his the, throughout the whole movie. Oh yeah, and he's You're been right. he's yeah. got to be there for like weeks on end. I'm like, how long is it to do for staples? You'd think the same as stitches, right? Seven to ten days. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I just yeah. noticed that. Like every time he had his shirt off, he still had like the bandage on the side there. I'm like. That's not a good doctor if you're still having to wear it. Yeah, Kelly Lynch is terrible. Yeah, she's not good. Good thing she's hot. Yeah, picnic table. (laughs) So speaking of which, let's just get right into it. Okay. Because he goes to see, because he gets sliced and, you know, diced a little bit. And he goes to 
the local Jasper Hospital, and we are introduced to Doc Elizabeth Clay, played by Kelly Lynch. She examines him, and they get a little close, and things happen way too fast. It's way too ridiculous. And this is the the, the iconic line when she asks him, "Do you enjoy pain?" And he says, "Pain don't hurt," because it makes no fucking sense whatsoever. And it's just an amazing line. He delivers it well. That's Patrick Swayze. Yep. And then he says, hey, if you want to swing by the double deuce, I'll buy you a cup of coffee sometime. She's like, uh, sure, I don't know, whatever. And they have a little banter. And, you know, lo and behold, she shows up and they end up going on a sort of date to a diner. Yeah, like a little coffee. And they have a conversation which is about maybe five lines of dialogue, six lines. And then he they kiss and i'm like what i there's this relationship almost had no development whatsoever i guess it's just that physical he's attraction just a, he's just a total stud and she's a beautiful babe and they're just gonna make this happen because they're yeah. beautiful people yeah because that's as simple as it, it gets yeah because that conversation in the diner makes it sound like she's not into what he oh, does yeah and he's then- chain smoking she's a doctor yeah and he's chain smoking right in front of her. I'm like, what? And then he leans in for the kiss and she's all about it. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So the whole relationship development between the two is just ridiculous to me. I'm just going to go to the fact that Kelly Lynch, their big glasses, and she goes in and she sees Swayze with the shirt off. Hey, I just, you know, I get it. Hey, I, I want to have some of that. <laughs> you, know, you know, everybody's got needs. It, this is true. This is true. Uh, that's, that's what I'm chopping up to. I'm just like, you're good looking. I'm good looking. Yeah. Let, let's yeah. Uh, make it to sex. Yep. And so, yeah. On the second date, she shows up with the picnic table dress <laughs> and he drives her Jeep, by the way, back to his barn loft. And mm-hmm. that's when they make it to sex. On the second date, they've barely said anything to each other. Oh, I know. Of any importance at all. He learns that she was married once but obviously it's been divorced no kids had left town came back read the local auto parts store owner is her, her uncle yep uncle as they start making sweet sweet love literally almost down by the fire i was going to say but on the fire he's got her up against a stone fireplace and i'm just like oh man that i'm sorry kelly that's got to hurt the back because she's he's got her up against the stone fireplace yeah this is not comfortable this cannot be comfortable uh more about that later actually some funny stuff but um yeah that was a weird scene it's it i'm just like the it's like how did what but good for you i guess and good for us because we're watching some beautiful people and they're all naked and stuff it's a great like i love the atmosphere the barn loft is cool the doors are open it's nature and the light breeze so, yeah, I just have some issues with Doc and Dalton's relationship development. That's all. All right. So here are two little quick complaints. So the end scene when Dalton is upset and now he's going after Brad. So he does this whole thing where he sends his car towards Brad's house and all the goons are out there. And they right. decide to shoot the crap out of it. Yeah. And then the car finds some mystery ramp or something. And I mean, there's a stone wall and it somehow jumps a stone oh, wall. Yeah. 
just blows up because it's been 12 minutes. So we got to have an explosion. Right. And then, well, Joel Silver stepped in at that point. It was like, yeah, guys, guys, when's, when was the last explosion? Okay. We need one. And then somehow Dalton's in the house. That was your plan. Just drive your car towards the house. Hopefully it distracts yeah. everyone. Absolutely. Have a cool explosion in the front yard while he sneaks in the back door and then somehow kills all of them without us seeing well, how did, happen. Well, how do they get in the house though? I mean, the car's go. let's say the car is going 60 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know he's fast because he was able to race down a motorcycle. So does he outrun the car around to the back of he the goes house way around the side? And they don't see him. He took uh, a, a very wide berth around the home, mm-hmm. through the trees in the forest, and they never saw him. And beat the car there. Yes. He ran so fast that his feet actually didn't touch the, dr- the ground. He was like Remo Williams. Yeah, because Pat's able to open up the burning car door and realize there's a, the knife's in there. The knife used to kill Wade is stuck into the, in the gas pedal. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, he's I, coming for you. I found that kind of odd. <laughs> it's completely, it's totally ridiculous. It's a great call. Hey, speak. What? What's up, Dalton? Man, he's such a stud. Except for two moments in this movie when he gives salutes. What's with his half-assed salute? He does it once when he gets his his beater of a car. Uh, and he's throwing tires, his extra tires, which he knows he's going to need. Right. I thought that I, was cool. That I is love cool. that aspect of yes, this. that he knows that's going to that happen. He's always got his two cars. He's got his nice one that keeps for his road trips when he's traveling from gig to gig. But then he's got his his old beater, his uh, POS, uh, piece of piece of shit that he uh, uses on the job going to the bar because he knows he's going to make some enemies and they're going to slash his tires and bust up his windshield. So he gets this beater and he's throwing the extra spares in the back and he does this little half ass like salute yep. thing to the guy. And then later on, when Kelly Lynch drops him off after he's got a stop sign shoved through the window of his car, uh, he does the same thing to her. He does this half salute thing. I don't know. It was just annoying. I think he was just trying to be cute to her. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. But I, I, did, I did like the tire thing because I first when I first saw it, I was like, what, what is he doing with all that stuff? Why is he throwing all that stuff in his trunk? And then when he comes out the first night and you see his, his car all busted up and it's just like, oh, this is part of the routine. Got to change tires. I thought I was like, oh, OK, that's pretty smart. I like that. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's a good point. It's a good point. Talking about a little bit of a character development thing here. And this again, I'm going to probably bring this up again later uh, with my my questions, but I'm going to touch upon it right now. Again, from a writer's perspective, we understand that Dalton killed a guy in Memphis. He's got a history. So we know because he got involved with a married woman, husband came after him with a gun, he killed him. Now, the thing is for me, it's like what I was hoping for, and this is a complaint, it's like, how did that exactly motivate him? Because May, uh, Wade is talking to him about it. Wade says, you got to let that shit go. You got to fucking let it go. It's weighing you down. You're still weighed down by this. So I'm trying to understand how that past affects like the choices he makes. Wouldn't he have quit bouncing after that? Maybe that incident, would he be more averse to violence because of that? 
or be fearful of killing another person or being put in a situation where he may have to make that choice again? How does that affect who he is now today and the relationships he has today, either to his job, to other people? You don't, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, because I could totally read it a different way where it's his fear of commitment and being in a relationship because when mm-hmm. he maybe fell in love with this other woman, it ended up with him killing someone else. And now it's, you know, he's he's met Doc. He kind of likes her. He's shown off to his best friend. And uh, maybe Wade sees like, oh, he's going to leave her. And he shouldn't because she's a she's a catch. Right. I think that comes into play later on when he finds out that obviously our baddie, Brad Wesley, had a thing for her. And right. now he realizes his relationship to her is going to be an issue because he may now really be put in a position where he's going to have to kill Wesley, which would be a, a you know, a repeat of what had happened in Memphis, you know, but I don't know. I just was like, they introduce his background and I'm thinking, how is this going to come into play or can't, how does this, is this going to be used? Yeah. It's almost like they keep hitting the you over the head plot. with that. Cause it's like, they mentioned in the beginning when he shows up, like, oh, I ripped the guy's throat out. Then Wade and and Dalton discuss it. And then even Dalton and Brad discuss it at one point where he goes to Brad's house. He's like, oh, I heard you killed a man. And it's like, okay, wh- why do we have to keep knowing this? Because it doesn't it doesn't really change anything. I don't feel like. Well, that's the whole thing. Nothing. It doesn't affect the plot at all, the story at all. Yeah, it but just shows learn that little tidbits about the. It just, nothing affects. Which just this is all by the numbers as far as we got to get these characters into this position so this action scene can happen. We have another explosion and we can show somebody's boobs and somebody's butt, and then it's another fight scene, etc. You know, that's just how this movie goes, and it is what it is, and it's great for what it is. But then it was kind of like, oh, well, we have this character who has a dark past, maybe. That could kind of be cool because there's a scene before Emmett's place blows up and before the whole throat rip scene where Doc comes running up to the loft and is upset with him. And he says, I know you're just going to tell me to leave town. She's like, yeah, well, I'm afraid of what might happen. And he's like, and she says something to the effect of, I'm not afraid for you. I'm afraid of what you might do to Everybody else, I'm, I'm now I'm blanking on what she says exactly, but mm-hmm. she's yeah. afraid of what he's capable of. Right. And who, oh, who's going to stop you or from hurting them? Something to that effect. I'm paraphrasing poorly, but it's like, oh yeah, she's afraid of him. Like this could be, this could be cool. Like, how's this going to play out? But it doesn't have anything. Then immediately you know, he rips Jimmy's throat out. She witnesses that he's a killer, but you know, she's falling into his arms again, five minutes later. So none of it matters. Yeah. You really didn't need to have that conversation with Wade and Dalton. It doesn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. They should have kept one of other Sam Elliott scenes that supposedly hit the cutting room floor. Right. So uh, this, this is my last complaint. This is kind of a minor, but I, I thought it was kind of funny. So we find out, Brad Wesley pretty much runs all the liquor distribution locally, and uh, he's basically just going to dry up the double deuce because they're not going to have liquor anymore. And Swayze finds someone to bring this liquor in that they're going to use to keep the the bar running. And of course, Wesley just happens to know, and the goons know when the the booze is coming in. They show up. They basically smashed all the 
they did what they were supposed to do. I was like, well, what do you do now? You just lost all your liquor. Right. I mean, you, you literally see him smashing all the bottles. And I was like, yeah, right. Well, so much for that plan. Cause now, now you have no liquor going into tonight. Right. I was like, oh, well, double deuce is done, I guess. You're going to go have to go knocking on doors, start raiding yeah. liquor cabinets around town. That's a good point. That's funny. Uh, there's a lot of shit that just doesn't make sense. I'm going to try and be quick about my last complaints here, but right. I love when there's the scene Dalton actually goes to Wesley's house to have a little one-on-one and Wesley wants Dalton to come work for him. And Dalton, of course, says uh, there's no amount of money in the world, basically, for, that would be enough for me to work for you. But in the beginning of the scene, because Dalton's chowing down on some breakfast in a Bloody Mary and, or I'm sorry, Wesley's chowing down on some breakfast in yeah. a uh, Bloody Mary. Dalton walks over to an old black and white photo on a table and Wesley goes, that was my grandfather. And Dalton says, he looks like an important man. And Wesley says, he was an asshole. And that's it. Yeah. Like, I was like, why, like, why do you have the picture? He's an asshole. Why do you have the photo yep. of an asshole? I know. I thought something important was going to come out of that when he says well, he's an just, asshole. I'm like, it's nonsensical conversation in this fucking movie. That's why I'm going. The writing's yeah. terrible. It's like, why even have that conversation? That final fight scene, the finale is rough, man. In a bad, it's bad. And the the fact that a giant taxidermy like polar bear falls on Tinker, oh, is like yeah. a crazy, weird part of that. The fact that go it ahead. Have knocked him out. There's no yeah, it, it should have hit him weird. in a way that you felt like it would have knocked him out, or at least yeah. like crushed his skull and you just see brain flying everywhere. Uh, it's ridiculous. Wesley throws a spear at Dalton with oh, yeah, some dexterity. Yeah, that was a good throw. Because we have all these taxidermy like animals around, and we're to understand that uh, Wesley was an avid hunter. I guess Jesus. he's like a. It's like it's so. It's just the whole thing is absolutely ridiculous. And then at the very end of the finale, that action sequence after the townsfolk, this business owners have come in and ganged up and all blown holes into Wesley with their shotguns. Uh, Red collects everybody's shotgun because the cops are finally showing up. Yep. And goes off and stashes them somewhere, like hides them. Yeah. Because there's going to be no investigation. Right. Because the cops aren't going to go looking through the house and find the shotguns and be like, because they're not going to, yeah. And wonder how did these uh, shotgun blasts end up in the body of Wesley? Yeah. I just think it's absolutely hilarious that red actually collects the guns, goes into a corner and like hides them somewhere and comes back like that. Did it. <laughs> We're good. That's I how they realize the evidence. They just realized how inept the police forces. So it's just like, yeah, just, yeah. you know, just hide the guns. What did he say? Polar bear fell on me. Yeah. That's all I got, man. We can keep this moving. All right. So let's move on to, hey, it's that actor. So in this segment, we spotlight a character actor who have seen many other films, an actor making their big screen debut, or an actor that makes an uncredited cameo. It's, hey, it's that actor. So who do you got for, hey, it's that actor? All right. So this is an uncredited cameo. I picked him out during the monster truck sequence i could see him as one of the baddies one of the henchmen he was like hopping around in the background he was laughing there's a shorter guy had this blue shirt i'm like i know that guy i know his face but he's not one of the main henchmen he hasn't had any speaking lines i'm like i know this guy i think it's this guy and sure enough 
It is this guy. He is uncredited, but on IMDb credited as Laughing Henchman. Okay. His name is Benny Urquidez. Oh, yes. Okay. And Benny Urquidez, and this is why I recognize him, because he's in one of my other cult favorite movies of all time. He plays Felix Lapubelle in Gross Point Blank. He is in the great, great uh, high school reunion sequence. He's in the uh, high school, let's see, amongst the lockers. And he has a great uh, little martial arts sequence with John Cusack. Mm-hmm. And Cusack, I believe, kills him like with a pencil or something. Oh, yeah. And they got to wrap him up in the banner. They yes. got to wrap up uh, La Poubelle's body in the banner. Anyway, that's a great scene from Gross Point Blank. But he does have a cameo. In this particular film, Benny Ocritas is nicknamed the Jet, and there's a reason for this. He had earned black belts in nine different martial arts and trained in other styles as well. The Jet decided to pursue full contact karate as a career in 1974. He achieved a record of over 200 wins and no losses with 63 title defenses and 57 knockouts. He's the only uh, fighter to have retained six world titles in five weight divisions for 24 consecutive years. Returning to the ring in 1993 at age 42, he beat defending champ Yoshihisa Tagami, who's only 25 years old in Japan, for the World Light Middleweight Championship. This guy's a stud. Benny Urquidez, he also helped with all the stunts on this very movie. That's why he's there. Awesome call. Awesome stunt call. coordinator for Patrick Swayze, Marshall Teague in this movie. Cool. Yeah. So I also have an uncredited person in Roadhouse, and it's a blink and you miss it cameo. And uh actor's name is Henry Kinji. And he's in the big fight scene while Dalton first appears in the double deuce. So when they're doing the all-out fight, you see him get flung into the bar, and his face is all bloodied, and then he walks out of the scene, and that's it. Oh, yeah, okay. But the only reason I recognized him is because we saw him in our last podcast. He played Ramon in Stir Crazy. He was one of the ones that were helping them get out of the rodeo with the Uh ponytail. Oh, 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 okay. Uh, he was the one that was uh, running the, the peanut cart. So, so he was the brother of yes, the wife. Correct. Right? Yes. And I couldn't believe because he, here it is nine years later. And that's why I saw the ponytail. I'm like, I'm like, that cannot be him. Wow. That cannot crazy. be him because it goes in and out. But I saw the ponytail right away. And, the, and I, I saw enough of the face even covered in blood. I'm like, that cannot be the same guy. Sure enough, I, I looked it up. It's Henry Kinji. And that's Henry, great. That's a great catch, man. And Henry is he's a stuntman. And I didn't know this because I, wow, I, I very I, similar hates that. I know. That's crazy. And, and uh, you know, he's still going strong today. He's done stunts for the Fast and Furious series, Predator, Action Jackson, Patriot Games, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and uh Ford versus Fire. Ford versus Ferrari, and he's been working in movies since 1970. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, so shout out to the stuntman, you and I. Similar things. Yeah, That's really funny. Yeah, if we had not watched her, there's no way I would have caught that. 
But the fact that we had watched Stir Crazy last week, that's the only reason I recognized him in it. Well, it's sometimes it's just funny how faces will stick with you. If there's some some people have very memorable faces. Mm-hmm. That's why Benny Arquitas from one of my favorite films too, though a gross point blank. I, as soon as I saw him, I was like, "Oh my god, it's that guy!" Yeah, what is he doing in this movie? And he's one of the henchmen, but he's not one of the henchmen. But it makes sense why they just threw him in there because he is the stunt guy. You know. Yeah. Anyway. Good stuff, man. That's it. That's that's a funny coincidence. Yeah, it was a good one. Um, so let's move on to facts and trivia. What are some facts and trivia we have for Roadhouse? Due to a knee injury he sustained during filming, Pat Swayze turned down the roles of Gabriel Cash in Tango and Cash and Mike Harrigan in Predator 2. He chose to make Ghost as his follow-up instead. Good call. Right. Been, that would have been interesting to see him in Tango and Cash. Well, isn't it funny? Because I made I didn't even think about this. I totally made that. Oh, yeah, the Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. And so, I mean, it makes sense. But I, I don't know, because I've never seen like Swayze like over the top. I mean, well, have we really seen Swayze? I haven't. I'm sure he's like. Like two on We know Foo? he can do comedy, right? We, right. You know, but yeah, action comedy. I don't know. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah, bit, yeah. I'm sure he could have done it. I'm sure he would have been great. Parallel universe, we can watch that one. Yeah. All right. Thought, um, go ahead, man. No, go ahead. I was, this is a quick one. The garage where Dalton's Mercedes is stored in the very beginning of the movie is the same garage where Reggie Hammond's Porsche is stored in the movie 48 Hours. That would have been hilarious if they did like an Easter egg and had that still there. That would I wish cool. they would do that sometimes. That's yeah. a funny crossover thing. Yeah. So Red West, who played Red Webster, uh, the auto parts store owner, went to high school with the king, Elvis Presley. And he had many uncredited roles in Elvis's movies. And he also worked as a stuntman. So we got the stuntman theme going on tonight. I'm telling you. How about that? I'm not going to go back and watch. Because I think like two or three years ago, I went through like an Elvis phase where I was like watching all his movies. Oh, I know you did. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to go back and watch and see if I can pick him out. That's great. Because they're all like small bit. Because I was looking through his credits to see what they were. And he's almost in like, he's at least in like 15 of his movies, but they're all like really Red small. West. Yeah. All small, like uncredited stuff. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, okay. I, I know we'd know where to find them in the movies just from what I remember seeing them. That was pretty cool, man. No, he, and I like Red West in this movie. Oh, I do too. He's very likable in this. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's some good stuff there, man. Uh, Marshall Teague, who plays Jimmy, told a story that he took his mother to the premiere of the movie Roadhouse when the fight against Dalton happens. And he says the line, I used to fuck guys like you in prison. His mother jumped up and proudly shouted, that's my boy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, This kind of I'm going to try to run through this quickly, but this talking about some deleted scenes or uh, and or things that ended up, uh, ended up on the editing room floor. Uh, according to the director's commentary, some of the other sequences which got cut out uh, because the movie was too long were a fight scene where Keith David is introduced. He arrives in the double deuce with his girlfriend, gets into a fight with some rednecks, and then Dalton hires him to work as the bartender. Right? Uh, see, yeah. So Keith David had a bigger role. It totally makes sense. Well, yeah, I want to talk about that at the end. Go ahead. Okay. 
Sam Elliott said how half of his character or Wade's scenes ended up on the cutting room floor. There are a lot more scenes explaining his background, like, for example, scene where he explained his rose tattoo, uh, which is oh, featured. In okay. He says uh, that was the name of the girl who was once his true love and how he blew it with her. And he told Dalton not to make the same mistake. See, that's the oh, that's I what we needed. Craving, yeah. Yeah. Because right? I kept understanding, like, why do we why are we seeing the blood go across the tattoo? Yeah, that makes sense now. Damn, I would have been crying more if I had known that. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have had single tear. I would have been, you know, the faucet would have been. I love the, that this movie made you cry. Yeah, come on, man. What way that seems rough. It's tough, yeah. man. I didn't know. It's like, man. Yeah, just think your buddy's sleeping, and then then you got to pull the knife out of him. What else you got for? Fun facts and trivia. Yeah, so even though Swayze is shown practicing Tai Chi, Dalton never actually uses that particular style of martial arts in the movie's fight scenes. Instead, he uses moves from various sources, including the Korean discipline of Hapkido. Ah. We look good doing it, though. Oh, yeah. He was glistening. Yeah, he was. Glistening. Way to go, art department. <laughs> I watched a little bit of a Kelly Lynch interview on the Rich Eisen show from 2017. And uh, this is mentioned often in the research, but she was talking about it. It was pretty funny how her husband happens to be Mitch Glazer, who co-wrote Scrooge, starring Bill Murray, but happens to be one of Bill Murray's best friends. So (laughs) Bill Murray has a there's like a tradition and an ongoing joke, a long running joke where he will call Kelly Lynch's husband, Mitch Glazer, every time he sees Roadhouse and sees the love scene. And he will kind of put on the uh, like Caddyshack voice, I guess, a little bit, <laughs> even though it's clearly Bill Murray. So he calls Kelly Lynch's husband and talks about how he's like, oh, yeah, your your wife is having sex with Patrick Swayze against a cold, hard fireplace right now. I just wanted to let you know. <laughs> He does it every time, every uh, still to this day, supposedly. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, I think I saw one time it, it said Bill Murray was in Russia and called him from there yeah. to let him know he was watching Roadhouse in Russia. That's hilarious. Really funny. I, I did watch a little bit of a 1989 interview with Swayze, who was talking about Benny Orquitas, the my uh, hey, it's that actor, the stunt coordinator, and uh, saying that. And then they interview Benny and Benny was saying that Patrick Swayze looked a bit like a cat. And so he designed specific fight moves around that idea, like as if he were a cat that uh, had cat like grace Mm -hmm. and that was ready to pounce at any moment. thought that was kind of cool. And that kind of makes sense. That's kind of how Patrick Swayze plays the role of cooler slash bouncer in this movie. All right, the last one for me is, although the film is set in the town of Jasper, Missouri, not one frame of the film was shot out there. The exterior of the, yeah, I know, crazy. The exterior of the film's uh, infamous bar, the Double Deuce, was built strictly for the filming on location in California and then was torn down. And then some of the interiors were shot in a real bar in Anaheim that has since closed. And I think some of the exteriors for the city I heard were Valencia. Cool. What a surprise. None of it was shot in Missouri. 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 All right. Anything else for facts and trivia? I'm done. 
All right, so let's move on to box office. So this movie was released on May 19th, 1989 on a budget of $17 million. It grossed $30.1 million domestically. It debuted at number two at the box office behind, I couldn't believe this when I saw this, Jason, behind the Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor comedy, See No Evil, Hear No Evil. (laughs) The chances of that. That's funny. Yeah, and it stayed in the top 10 for six weeks. But this this movie was considered a bust, which, yeah, I mean, usually you want to at least double your budget. But I, I thought it like outright flop. I was like, oh no! At least it made more than it was the budget, but yeah, yeah. And then I had had read that over the years because of the obviously VHS, DVD, streaming, etc. And finally, it had come to like two hundred million. Like it's made its money. Oh yeah, and it has that cult classic status for sure. Yep. Um, so reviews. Uh, when growing up in the early '80s, we loved catching sneak previews with Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert to hear the reviews and watch clips from upcoming movies. Their review of the film was unanimous, two thumbs down. Roger called it a near miss and referred to it as a drive-in movie. Gene found it to be too out there and cartoon-like. I can't, yeah, can't fault him for that. Right. I mean, Roger kind of got it, but yeah, not enough to give it the thumbs up. So that was the reviews. All right, so that brings us to additional thoughts and questions some additional thoughts and questions we have about roadhouse well you know yeah my thoughts are intertwined with my questions i'll go right to the questions bill bant okay have you ever been in a bar fight no yeah me neither been close it's usually a verbal altercation but it never escalated for me i've been a witness to a brief bar fight once yes never been involved no thankfully yes thank god same here so a roadhouse is exactly what you'd think it would be, but you ever have you ever heard of a local like watering hole or bar like a lo- like a road stop referred to as a roadhouse? I, you know what? I never thought of it until you started asking the question. So I would have to say no. I, it's just funny because I was like, wait, I never heard it ever called a roadhouse. I wonder if that was like a, a territorial thing, like a yeah certain parts of the country. Is like it a Midwestern, East Coast, West Coast? Like, what is it? Like you would say pop, I would say Part soda. Of some vernacular that I wasn't aware of, but I've never heard it. Oh, yeah, look at there's that old roadhouse. We're about to pass that old roadhouse. I used to go in there all the time. But no, I just have never heard that before. Nope. So, yeah, here's a plot question for you. So would it have been more interesting now because Elizabeth mentions that she was married but it didn't work out maybe he just wasn't the right guy or i hadn't found the right guy and then we find out later that wesley had had a thing for her would it have been more interesting if wesley was the ex-husband you know at one point i thought i got confused and thought it was and then i was like there's no way unless she was like super young and he's not, uh, yeah, he's not, but I, because I thought then that would have really kind of like paralleled what had happened to Dalton previously when he'd been involved with a married woman. And the, I mean, obviously in, at present, she's not, wouldn't have been married. But I don't know. There would have been more of a parallel, but I, I don't know what I'm saying really. But 
it was just a thought. And it was a little confusing. I was like, wait, was he the ex-husband? No, he's not. He's too old. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make sense. Here's the real question. Who's got the better hair? Oh, I had that down too. Right. I had that question. Awesome. That's funny. I'm I'm going Swayze. Yeah, I think he's got the best. I Sam Elliott's in the running. I see. I, I'm always then brushing out of my face. Like I had him down, but I was like, oh. then I'm always. I mean, brushing he's got to use face. the rubber band, but he's got to put it up in ponytail. And then Kelly Lynch, she's got great hair. It depends on what hair. The hairspray. Yeah, it depends on what hair style she's rocking. Right. Like that one. Where it almost looks like a lion's mane. I was like, eh. yeah, no a hairspray. Actually. Yeah, when it's just like when she just flattens it. That yeah, looked, yeah or that the, a lot maybe better. the the post coitus look. Yes, <laughs> I would go with that one. But yeah, Swayze hands down. Even though he supposedly hated that hair. Oh yeah, you know what, man? This is I still haven't an, I haven't answered this, but. You know, if they were to remake this, reboot this, who would you cast as Dalton or maybe a follow up to or Dalton like character? We don't want to. I, I would hate to replace Dalton. Patrick Swayze is one of one. But who would be good casting today in today's climate, et cetera? Like as in who would fit that role today? You know, I'll be honest when a couple of years back when they were going to have Ronda Rousey. Do it. That's I was actually, funny, dude. I actually, is, I was, was interested that a, in that. Was that a consideration? Because I actually yes. thought of her. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Like, she uh, came across my mind. Yeah. That's funny. About five years ago. And then, because I, I was thinking maybe do, yeah, switch it up, go with the, the female. I was like, oh, you know what? I would check that out. That's, oh, now that you say that, that I may have heard that. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that's why I thought. Okay. Makes sense. Who would I put in that? See, that's the thing. There's like we don't have like that action kind of. It's like it can lead you down a rabbit hole, man. Because what I I don't like to think about is we. It's almost become cliche at this point. They just don't make movies like that anymore. Mm -hmm. But it's the truth. We're getting less and less of these types of movies, for better or worse. Everybody has an opinion, you know, but. I would like to think I would like to if they found an upcoming a newcomer male female diverse ethnicity whomever that was unassuming but an excellent martial artist like I could have seen I had mentioned like uh Patrick Swayze's build reminded me a little bit of Bruce Lee's build Mm-hmm. I would have liked to see Brandon Lee like in this role, but you know, somebody that was on the rise as far as like their star was rising. You know, let's let's go with one of the Chris's. I'm going to go Chris Pine. Oh wow, Chris Pine. That's interesting. He could be cool because of course the first thing I was like, well, you know, they would offer everything to Chris Pratt first. Yeah, but I was like, oh, you know. Maybe Chris Pine. Chris Hemsworth would be too obvious. I yeah, the thing I do like about the way they had shaped this role is that he's a little more unassuming. He's like this, he's a pretty boy. Right. And he's a little s- smaller in stature in comparison to the typical bar bouncer. Because mm-hmm. you think of the big 
heavies, you know, big muscle bound guys. Again, could be female, someone a little bit more slight, maybe, or unassuming, but that packed a punch. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you're technically the cooler, so you're not really not supposed to have a fight. Front lines, right? The bouncer's supposed to be taking care of that stuff. You're just of it, yeah. So you're just trying to come in and and clean stuff up. Yeah, I don't think I ever caught that before until this time that I was like, oh, he's technically a cooler, not you know William H Macy in the cooler. Right. That's a different type. Yeah, it's a different type of cooler. (laughs) But um, I was like, oh yeah, you're just supposed to kind of. Hey, go take care of that. And then if they don't take care of it, then you got to go in and take care of it. Yeah. Uh, like you don't want to see Dalton come up to you at some point, then, then, you know, you're deep shit. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, you know, there was another little tip that I was just thinking about what would have made this movie better. Nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Though? What would have actually made this movie better? I've been meaning Dalton's past, which follows him to this small town. Do we see Wade and Dalton working together, maybe in the cold open, like a a scene that gives us a little more of their background when they had uh, actually maybe been cooling or bouncing at the same bar together. Back to that, I mentioned that 1989 interview with Swayze. He mentioned that Wade and Dalton, that they had like some kind of like special forces background. Like that was part of their character background. Oh, wow. Yeah, that they were both badasses, kind of came up through the ranks. And then after they got out, they were like, what do we do with these skills that we have? Yeah, I, I meant to look up the age for Sam Elliott to see how old he was, because it, it seems like they're like 10 years apart. But I'm wondering if they are close to the same age, because, I mean, Sam Elliott basically looks the same now as he did back then, except his hair is a little bit grayer. I don't know. Yeah, he yeah he still looks good. So when you say that that they were in the military together, would have been closer in age then. You would think so, but because then he would have been like the commander of him, or so I don't know. Right, right. So then that same mentor, you know, mentee kind of relationship would have just transferred over then to the Mm -hmm. club scene. But I don't know. Something to think about. But that's all I got for, for questions. All right. So here, here's a thought I had. Yeah. Um, because we mentioned about uh, Keith David. I would like to see a version of this movie where Keith David and Sam Elliott actually switch roles. Just the, not that I'm saying that it should, but I thought there would have been something huh. inter- interesting about it if Keith David played the Wade character. Right. Especially because you even mentioned the deleted scene with him being in that area, being African-American and basically, because I mean, I think he is, I think we only see two African-Americans throughout the whole movie. The one in New York that when Dalton gives him the car and then Keith David there at the double deuce. Wow. That's a, yeah, geez. You're absolutely right. So I thought that would have been interesting. Not that, I would want to, I just want to see that version one time and that's it just to see how that plays out. Cause we, cause we know Keith David can bust some heads from they live. Oh one, yeah. One of the, one of the greatest fight scenes put on, put <laughs> Definitely. On, put on film. Roddy, Roddy Piper, man. So yeah. Cause I was so excited. And like when I see his name in there, I'm like, Oh cool. And then I'm like, Oh wait, he's hardly in this. Oh, what a waste. That's and a great like, thought, man. 
And I was like, oh, he might have, it might have worked as him. Well, now you got my wheels turned because I'm thinking of other African American uh, actors that could be great, actually, in the role of Dalton. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just watched, uh, I still, I need to revisit it because. Oh, that's true. But, you know, definitely like Michael B. Jordan. Oh, sure. Sure. He's a badass. Yeah. Um, I watched uh, The Harder They Fall. I don't know if you've seen that yet. No, I have not. It's fun. It's the it's got a ton of style, loaded with style. Uh, but there's some wonderful actors in it. Jonathan Majors is great in it. Mm-hmm. I think he'd be great. Who there's someone else? The Keith Stanfield, I like a lot. He'd be great. Uh, he's wonderful in uh, The Harder They Fall. Plays Cherokee Bill. Anyway, yeah. So now you got my wheels turning. Yeah, Lakeith Stanfield would be great. Uh, it's just my opinion. So, but um, yeah, good thought. Keith David as in the Sam Elliott role. Yeah, it's. I just oh, he could. And he be, I think I. I'm just a big Keith David fan. Yeah, I mean, definitely, I mean, definitely a different tone just because of how he is as an actor. But, but he know. has that that presence. In yeah, he's got a presence like, that he could do it. Yeah, and that. Uh, I the, could play the mentor easily, could you know, or a brotherly relationship. Uh, he could fill those shoes, and then of course now I'm just thinking Kurt Russell again, <laughs> right? Yeah, Keith David, Kurt Russell, the thing. When are we doing that one? Yeah, we got to at some point. All right, great All right. stuff, man. Yeah, so let's move on to recommendations. Do we recommend? watching roadhouse yeah man I, I i recommend it for sure it's uh it is a brainless action movie it's dumb fun watch it for some decent patrick swayze action watch him do his stunts he's a stud sex symbol you know men want to be him uh, how's it go women want him men want to be him right that's patrick swayze and he's uh he's got it all watch it for sam elliott Watch it for that relationship we've just been uh, talking about uh, between he and Patrick Swayze in this movie. Uh, it just still has some kind of visceral attraction. I mean, it's all machismo, bravado, testosterone. There's no real heavy plot, no real development between characters, relationships. You're just watching action scenes, explosions, and sex and that's it man this is just a fun action rock and roll 80s movie that's i mean it's just simple as that that's all i'm gonna say so watch it for fun don't think about it no yeah you definitely hit the nail on the head on that one i mean when i saw the i was just totally surprised how much i enjoyed it and there is nothing to it it's a very simple plot, bad guys taking over the town and guys, you know, trying to fight back for the town. That's basically what it comes down to. And um, there's action throughout, you know, it's not like there's one action. You got to wait 20 minutes for the next. No, it's like every five minutes there's a fight. Yeah. And they're in their fun. It's a fights. two hour movie. It moves quickly. It does. Yeah. You would not think it's, it's an hour and 54 minutes. It doesn't, know, feel, it doesn't drag. Yeah, my wife was watching with me. It's the first time she ever saw it. And she was like, oh, I'll probably fall asleep halfway through. And even she was like, wow, I made it to the end. Right. 
it is what it is. It just it just keeps your interest. But yeah, you're, you're not getting anything major out of it. It just okay. I, if you have two hours to kill and have enjoy some fun, yeah, put it in. I mean, well, I think you like you said too earlier. It's a popcorn movie. It's eye candy, and that's it. Yeah, definitely. So I would recommend it if you, if you hadn't seen it, check it out. Yeah, I realized too. I'm like, yeah, yeah that Patrick, Patrick, he was. That was yeah, peak handsomeness right there. Absolutely. Good looking, yeah. good looking dude. Yeah, he's a fun guy. All right. So anything else? Um, I just wanted to mention, yeah, this movie is not perfect, but also just because I would be remiss, it does have some bumps regarding an, its treatment of women. I'm just gonna say that. Right. Yeah. Uh, but outside, I mean, I just don't want to gloss over that. Uh, but outside of that, uh, you know, it's all the things we said. It's fun fun action movie and uh no i think uh i think that wraps it up for road casa all right <laughs> so is that yeah. how you how would you say it in spanish is that oh i uh, i took french man i don't know calle casa i'm, I'm street I, house yeah i'm sure my kids know more spanish than i do unfortunately uh so i think that wraps it up for this week's episode thank you so much for listening next podcast we'll be discussing our final movie of season one wow i know and it's one of the biggest blockbusters of the 1980s raiders of the lost ark starring harrison ford karen allen and paul freeman that episode will come out before the end of the year as we celebrate its 40th anniversary good god so let me theater as always, please subscribe, give us a review, and rate us. You can email us at all80smoviespodcast at gmail.com. Please send us your feedback, questions, or recipes to share. You can follow us on Facebook at all80smoviespodcast or tweet us at podcastall80s. Until then, have a truly great week, everyone. Thanks for staying up with us. Good night, world. <laughs>